0: Effective evangelization. Is there a blueprint, a document we can look to to help us understand what true effective evangelization looks like? How about a person? My guest today says look no further than St. Mary Magdalene. I have seen the risen Lord, Mary says, and though we may not have seen Jesus rise from the dead as she did, we know by faith that he is risen and we nonetheless are called to proclaim him. Writer and speaker Rachel Bullman says Mary Magdalene's life offers every one of us that blueprint to evangelize Jesus and to do so effectively. Here it is, my conversation with Rachel Bullman. Hi, Rachel
1: good morning how you doing
0: thanks for coming back on the show rachel we we're talking about mary magdalene i read this piece and like many others i sent over to uh Kara and i said we've got to get her on um you talk about mary magdalene as a living blueprint for effective evangelization now i want to give a little context here because mary magdalene was not added to the roman calendar until june 3rd 2016 do i have that right
1: Yes, that's it. That was actually the the solemnity of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, too, and it was all during the Jubilee of Mercy, So, and that whole document from the the divine worship and discipline of the sacraments, the congregation said that she's the apostle of the apostles, which is what it, she, she's been called for so long, and so it was such a beautiful decree that they sent out just to say, you know, this is an act of mercy for you guys to realize that that she deserves a higher place in our calendar now, so Francis, so that is the feast
0: Pope Francis elevating her on that celebration of the feast and you got to think there's a little bit of uh, it, it's pretty intentional or right? on purpose that it would be on the Feast of the Sacred Heart
1: yes I mean she was definitely a woman after his heart you know and really kind of giving us a, a good understanding of what it means to seek after him what it means to serve him and giving us an understanding of, of what it what kind of posture we need to live a life of an evangelizer, live a life of a Christian, just someone that is always seeking after him and following him.
0: You said it's really the, f- beautiful. the first mention of Mary Magdalene, scriptures often miss, Luke 8, 1 to 3.
1: Yes, and so in that first one is where they identify the women from Galilee that were following behind him. It says, uh, Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out, Joanna, the wife of Herod, steward, choose Susanna, and many others. And it's just so incredible that those were only three women that were mentioned by name, Mary, Joanna, and Susanna. But the way that he identified Mary is, he said, from whom seven demons had gone out. Hmm. And it just seems so strange to kind of say, well, this is the greatest affliction that this person had. I mean, thank God we're not identified by our sins. But it's incredible because it shows the greatness of mercy that she was able to receive from him. And that is what really kind of catapulted her to continue following him. He has delivered me from much. He has done much for me. And I think that that is the thing that drives all of us, really. When you sit down and you think in the moments of despair, these are the things that he has delivered me from. And I love what I had read from another author, Adrian von Speyer, where she says, seven demons, you know, it's not a mistake. She's like, seven demons is the same number of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has to give, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So it's just an incredible thing. And to realize that the things that we have been delivered from are the things that we are not defined by, but they are the avenues which have become the greatest grace for us. And so often you can say, like, whatever your greatest vice is, that can also be the greatest avenue for virtue for you.
0: Uh, You you have a a great line here. You say, this is not the only time that she was found at the the feet of Jesus. From the moment of her salvation, Mary Magdalene placed herself there, following behind him in his three years of ministry, listening to him while Martha was distracted by her tasks, weeping when her brother Lazarus died, and bending to look into the tomb. Uh, Her posture toward Christ is always the same, seeking him, loving him, finding him, and he is always near to her. He is near to you and to me. I loved that uh, part of this uh, piece that you wrote on Mary Magdalene because this has to be, this is number one, uh, if we are going to go out and evangelize, we have to remain
1: at the feet of Jesus. It's so true, and I think that that may be one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we decide that we're going to take on this life of like living some sort of public ministry or we want to evangelize or we want to tell people about Jesus is that we make the mistake of saying, you know, what are my gifts? You know, what can I do here? When really the question is, Jesus, where do you want me? Hmm. You know, whatever you want is what I want. And I promise you that he wants you at his feet, that he wants you to follow him to the cross, that he wants you to weep over the things that are breaking his heart and to find ways to then bring that same grace, that, that, that moment of where you have seen God to other people. And I think that we get kind of get caught up in in the busyness of life. We get caught up in the moments where we think the tomb might be empty when really, in reality, if we could just allow ourselves to weep for just a moment, if we can allow ourselves to find his feet, then we are going to be able to change the world and be able to to really evangelize in a way that that's not fleeting and evangelize in a way that's going to be memorable. Because you're introducing people to Jesus and you're not introducing people to anyone else, not even yourself, but to introduce them to Him.
0: Now, there's a strange part here that um, I want you to kind of uh, help us unfold. Jesus says to Mary Magdalene not to cling to Him, He tells her. What what does He mean by that?
1: You know, I I was really moved not too long ago. I was reading um, a piece from Paolo Prosperi. He is a professor of philosophy at the Catholic University of America. And he brought up the fact that the correct Greek translation there is actually, Do not hold me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And what's really interesting is that we read it and we say, do not cling to him. And actually, in a lot of the depictions of Mary, she is clinging to him. Like you'll see her sometimes at the foot of the cross, clinging to the cross, clinging and holding on to something. And so you see this, this moment of clinging as a moment of trying to grasp onto something, trying to hold onto something. But even in the next time that he says to her, you know, do not cling to me, but go and tell. And so sometimes we want to hold on. You know, this is this moment of comfort for me. But he doesn't call us to comfort, right? He calls us to go out and take this thing that we have encountered and then show it to other people. And so it seems like an odd thing to say, do not cling to me. But he's saying, don't hold on to me, for I've not yet ascended to my Father. So there's something better. There's something better than even this moment here in the resurrection garden. There's something better for you. And that comes in you pouring yourself out. And I think for us, we have to kind of reflect on that, even for ourselves. You know, today, even the Lord, wherever you are, is calling you to say, do not cling to me here. I am here, but I'm also there. So don't don't hold on to the thing that has brought you so much comfort right now, but maybe find where that comfort is drawing you to give it to someone else. Because it's in that pouring out of self where you're really going to discover a greater glory of of who he is.
0: I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you know the root of the Apostle of the Apostles' name that she has given?
1: One of the first times that it's mentioned with Gregory the Great, he mentions it as well as in another document, um, De Vitae Vitae Mary Magdalene, which is from St. Thomas Aquinas. He also mentions it, and Morris as well. So there is a great document from the Archbishop Secretary of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the discipline of the sacraments that if anyone wants to look up, you know, where this decision came from, why we decided to elevate her to a feast day, um, it, you can look it up at Apostle of the Apostles and just look at, look at it from the Vatican. They have it there on a PDF. You can print it out and really get to know who she is. And there's been some really beautiful things that have been written about her as of late. You know, that one that I mentioned, with Adrian von Spire. Um, And there's just a lot that we can get to know from her, specifically from Scripture, but also just from sitting in these moments where she's brought up in Scripture, particularly in that moment in the garden, uh, which has always been so striking to me, especially the part about her thinking that he is the gardener, you know, <laughs> It seems like such an odd thing that in Mace, he says it, and, and John, you know, he she thought that he was the gardener, and one of my favorite homilies from a good friend of mine, he said, you know, it's odd and ironic because he is, he is the gardener, hmm. and so you have this beautiful uh, parallel of the Resurrection Garden, but also the Garden of Eden, and the Garden of Eden where things kind of went astray, you know, and this moment in the Garden of the Resurrection where Christ, who is the new Adam... And it was also the great gardener comes to reorder the thing that has been disordered from that first garden, to let us know that he has come to make right all in the world that has been made astray. And that is actually given to us through this gospel message that he then gave to Mary Magdalene.
0: You say there's five words, John 20:18, that should be at the beginning of every salvation story for each and every one of us. I have seen the Lord. Amen she says it. I have seen the Lord, friends. Uh, A model for evangelization is uh, Rachel Bowman and Mary Magdalene. No, both. Both, I think. And you're a great writer, Rachel. I I keep telling you that, but keep it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, friends. The life and story of St. Mary Magdalene. It's a fascinating one. But more than that, the faith she has in Jesus. It's inspiring. It's a faith every one of us are called to emulate and to evangelize. Big thanks to Rachel Bullman, my guest today. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter. Reminding your friends to take part in the show, visit yourcatholiclifepodcast.com as well. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Leonetti, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and His love today.